if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Allow me to explain. It's free, and we all love free stuff. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more podcast platforms. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. All right, welcome to an off-season edition, St. Louis Blues Primer. We got to do it at some point. Um, you know, it's just it's going to be an insane off-season. It's already been that in the NHL. Lots going to happen obviously with the Kraken expansion. Uh joining me to discuss the Blues off-season is Stephen Ground. He covers the Blues with me at thehockeywriters.com. He also hosts the Two Guys One Cup podcast uh covering the St. Louis Blues and uh Stephen, thanks for joining me. How you doing? Thanks for having me, Ethan. I'm doing great. I am loving all the crazy, crazy nonsense going on in hockey and the GMs making big bets and some not making big bets at all. And I'm just excited to see it, how it all plays out. Well, you know, I think some GMs have certainly learned from what went wrong with Vegas. And I think a team that, you know, didn't do anything and lost a good player was the St. Louis Blues. Obviously it works out in the end with, with David Perron coming back. But this one's going to be interesting because you got to think, that Doug Armstrong wants to take some sort of swing because clearly they believe their cap went or their cup windows open. So we'll see if they do that, but let's start with Seattle um, and who the blues could lose. I mean, I don't, first of all, what do you think about the protection list and going with Barbashev being the protected player um, over Tarasenko? What do you think about all that? Yeah, I think, I mean, I love Ivan Barbashev, so I, I'm not sad to know that he'll be sticking around. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it's it's such a hard thing to comment on because I don't know what offers Doug Armstrong is or isn't here. You know, so one of the things that I've heard that Seattle might do is take him, take Tarasenko and then flip him for like a Voracek or somebody. And I don't know if that's a move that makes sense for the Blues because that's just more cap hit, you know, and not getting rid of the cap hit. And it's another troubled player. And so if that's if that's the only kind of offer Doug Armstrong was getting and he thinks he can use basically the expansion draft to get rid of Tarasenko for free and also distract Seattle maybe from events done or somebody that he does think he can either still use or get some value for, I guess it makes sense. You know, I have to, I have to trust him and what he's seen out there, but I think if you'd told anyone even a year ago, much less at the last expansion draft, the Vladimir Tarasenko would be exposed in this expansion draft. Uh, they would have been pretty shocked to hear that. And it's still a lot to process. It's kind of sad that his story is coming to an end this way or his yeah, blues mean, story. Hopefully his hockey story is long and healthy. Still, yeah. but I mean, the way that this entire thing has gone on, I mean, um, just a horrible way to end the tenure of a guy who was one of the best blues goal scorers of all time. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that with, with the expansion draft, you'd love to not lose Vince Dunn. I think a lot of the fan base's opinion of Dunn, I think it varies a lot, but I, I, I think, I think higher of Dunn than I think the blues organization does. I think, you know, you have a left-handed defenseman left shot. Um, you know, his defensive play is very up and down. He's had some really bad moments. I mean, early in this season, he got healthy scratched. He was just awful defensively. 
but I still think he's an important player and I'd hate to lose him to Seattle, but like, uh, I don't know. I, I think they're going to take Tarasenko to trade him if they're hearing enough out there, which a lot of the reports, I think Sarah Valley and all those guys have said, you know, they're probably going to take him and flip him because there's some pretty good offers out there. Now, how that makes Armstrong look remains to be seen. Um, I don't understand the whole Schwartz thing. I don't know why they would take him if they think they can sign him. There's really no point to do that. Um, but what do you think about, you know, Schwartz? And and if he's not taken by Seattle, do you think he's gone anyway? I, that's an interesting question. I was listening actually just on – driving back home to come call you. I was listening to the 31 thoughts uh, podcast and it sounds like Schwartz has a lot of interest from a bunch of teams, including some real contenders like Colorado, where he played um, college hockey. If they lose uh, Landis Landis Cog. And I think he, uh, I think Friedman even mentioned the Rangers and Seattle and maybe the Kings too. So, you know, Jaden Schwartz is a player everybody likes. I don't think any Blues fan would deny him that. But to me, he's a player that's very inconsistent. His highs are extremely high, uh, but we haven't seen as many of those lately. And I just think it's kind of hard. I think if the Blues are going to bring him back, they're they're going to ask him to take the salary of a of a middle six, maybe even a third line kind of forward. And it's kind of hard to ask a guy that has been a big star on your team at times to take that. And I, if there's a lot of interest in him, you know, I don't think all of those teams are going to view him the same way. And the more interest there is, the more likely I think his price is going to be driven up. And then I think the less likely the Blues are to sign him. So, you know, my gut right now, I'd say maybe 30% chance tops that he comes back to St. Louis. Um, but, you know, another player that is, it's sad to see him leave. Uh, but I do think for the Blues, they do need some serious churn on the roster, too, to try and get back to to where they want to be. So, you know, finding a new player that fits your, not even fits your style better, but just brings something different to the team with that money is at least an appetizing possibility if it if it materializes the right way. For me, it's like I'm not on the inside. I don't have all this insider knowledge, but I've always kind of felt like people talking about Schwartz being a guy that the Blues are likely to re-sign. Like we've heard that kind of thrown around months ago. I never felt like that was going to happen. I didn't think that they would re-sign him. I think that this is his chance to get paid. I don't think he's going to take a hometown uh, discount to stay here. I I always thought Hoffman was more likely to re-sign over Schwartz. I know that's not an opinion that a lot of people have, but I mean, I've always felt that it's kind of one of those situations where a lot of people expect one thing, but I like, I wouldn't be surprised to see the other. So. Yeah. I I think, I think you nailed it. I mean, I think it's, this is going to be his last chance to make big money. Um, I think Lou Korak had a tweet a month or two ago along these lines and, you know, it's, it's Schwartz's last chance to really cash in. He's had a really strong career at times. Um, but I don't know that the most money is going to come for him here. I think we've seen the in- inconsistency firsthand a little bit more. Um, and, you know, I, I tend to agree with you. I just think it just might be time. Sometimes it's just time to let somebody walk. And, you know, Doug Armstrong habitually, if he's going to bring a, bring a guy back, it doesn't get this close to the wire. I mean, you look at, you look at, Shin, you look at um, Bennington, you know, other contract extensions he's done in the past, the 
the guys he brings back, he usually tries to get done well in advance, not to mention Schwartz's last negotiation when he was an RFA was uh, pretty tenuous, pretty hard one. And, and I don't know that there aren't still some hurt feelings there. So I just, you know, I, like I said, I lean towards, I would not expect to see Schwartz in a boys uniform next season. Um, and I think that comes with good and bad elements to it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that uh, you look at what they could do in free agency. We'll talk a little bit about the draft and uh, the expansion draft. We'll probably touch on a little bit more, but I'm all for a swapping of Schwartz going to Colorado, which I, if he's going to leave, I prefer he doesn't go there. But if he goes to Colorado and it means they lose Landis Gog and the Blues sign Landis Gog or have a chance to, or clearly they're very interested in the player. And I think it makes a lot of sense to have him playing with Ryan O'Reilly again. And even if he's not playing with Ryan O'Reilly, I think he fits in with either of the two uh, top two line centers, which is presumably going to be O'Reilly and Shin. But, um, you know, I think Landis Gog's the type of guy that can help to uh, revitalize Shin because last year was just not good. He was so good at the beginning of the season. They just completely fell off. I think Landis Gog makes a ton of sense. And I know the fan base is likely hesitant about a long-term deal and, and a cap hit. That's that eye for a 28 year old who, you know, in all fairness, he's been a tremendous player his entire career, even before playing with both McKinnon and Rantanen. But um, you know, you look at the UFAs, he's the highest scoring one. And he scored 20 goals and he scored 20 goals or more in a lot of seasons. And the blues have the centers up front to play with him. That would work. And he's just, I think he's a tremendous locker room guy. And I, you know, there's a certain limit that I would go to. And I think Colorado is kind of feeling that now they don't really, it doesn't seem like they want to give him eight years. It doesn't seem like they want to give him 60 plus million dollars. Uh, Elliot Friedman sure made it sound like that. Um, what do you think about Landis Goggin and his possibility uh, in free agency? I, I love Gabriel Landeskogan, and he's one of the guys that when I was, you know, way back a couple of months ago, looking at the free agent class, that was kind of the guy you drool over and you think you'd never have a chance because obviously he's going back to Colorado or Corraldo, wherever that is. <laughs> um, but, but now that the negotiations have, you know, we've heard that they're pretty tense too and, you know, pretty some hurt feelings on the on the Landeskog camp side. Um yeah, I mean, I think on on our podcast, we talk a lot. We talked a lot last season about how the Blues, they have just kind of a an overrating their players problem. It feels like the guys that the Blues players think are like certified top line guys are really more kind of like top six guys. You know, even O'Reilly, as incredible as he is, he's a top line center because he's very, very good, but he's not like an elite forward like a Nathan McKinnon you know, that kind of level player, which not every team can have that. And we're very lucky to have it. But then like, you know, Shin and Schwartz, they were more top six, maybe even sort of middle six guys. And and it just kind of trickles all down the lineup. Landis Cog is a guy that is a top six guy. I think he pretty unquestionably becomes your second best forward as soon as you sign him. Um, and, you know, it's that it's a balancing act. If, if you want to worry about years five, six, and seven of the contract, then you can't be arguing that your window's open and you're ready to win right now. You know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of, 
it's kind of finding that balance. And I know people with, with a more physical player, they'll draw the, the Bacchus comparisons and the Ryan Kessler comparisons. Um, but I think this is a guy that some of the analytics people like Don Wasijan actually progress or project to age pretty well. And I think, you know, he's got some grit and physicality to his game, but I don't think he's actually that guy that's taking a lot of risky opportunities and getting in a lot of fights and stuff. I just think he brings an edge to everything he does. And I would be all over signing him pretty much at any price with the only, the only caveat being, I also really want Matthew Kachuk and I wouldn't want them to be mutually exclusive, but, uh, beggars can't be choosers and all that and you get what you can get um so yeah i'm certainly interested the top six would be incredibly transformed if they got those two but yeah other absolutely. wingers that i look at in free agency i think there's three other guys that i look at and say you know at the right price they would fit well um i think brandon sod would be a solid fit. 15 goals last year. I think he could score more than that, obviously, in a full season. I think Matthias Janmark's an incredibly underrated middle six forward um, who can play the wing and he can play center if you need him to. And I think another guy you, you take a look at, I don't know how likely that would be, but I think Blake Coleman is a guy that could fit. But I do think that the problem with that is you look at what Barkley Goodrow got. Mm. I'm not mm-hmm. looking to give a six-year contract <laughs> to Coleman. I mean, he's a yeah. good player, but I wouldn't do that. Um, what do you think about those three wingers and maybe some other guys that could fit into the forward group if they try to add? Yeah, I think I really think this is a year where the Blues need to make several significant moves in the offseason. I'll be completely transparent. I think the Blues overperformed last season. Um, I think if you look at some of their metrics, some high danger chances and things like that, uh, they were really near the bottom of the league. I think in high danger chances, they were dead bottom um, at all strengths. So I think offensively, they're a team that's really, really not good. And you're talking about losing Tarasenko and Schwartz potentially on top of that. Um, You really, really got to transform your forward core in a big, big way. And so I do think that even if you do go get Alanis Cog, you can't be done there. You have to continue to supplement, find other deals that make sense. I think Saad makes a ton of sense. I don't know what he's going to be asking, you know, if it's, if, it's a, a longer term thing that I'm a little more nervous, but if it's a, a year, a couple year thing, two or three years at a good number, I'd definitely be interested in. Uh, Yan Mark, I like a lot. Um, Coleman terrifies me now with the Goudreau contract. Mm-hmm. I just probably wouldn't be. Yeah. Cause they're so, you know, they've got the same narrative, you know, he's going to be throwing mm-hmm. the exact same pitches that, that Goudreau was with the Rangers, maybe, uh, maybe everybody else isn't as crazy as James Dolan. I'm I'm almost certainly not everybody else is (laughs) as crazy as James Dolan, but that's still, you know, him and Zach Hyman, uh, both are just guys that I think are going to be so overpriced by this market that as much as I like them, I don't want to be the guy that pays them. I don't want to be the team that wins the race to buy those guys because whoever does is going to really, really overstretch and and they worry me a lot. I think one other guy that I have always liked um, that I still like is a Mikhail Granlund, um, more of a center, you know, than a winger. Um, but especially if you if you don't bring back Bozak, which it sounds like maybe could happen, uh, I think he slots really well into that 
middle six bottom, you know, third pairing center role. Um, as a little younger, I like the idea of getting a little younger, getting a little more skill, but also just really defensively responsible. And I think somebody, uh, Craig Berube would really like to have in his lineup. Yeah. And speaking of the Rangers, going back to that, it seems like the blues have some interest in Pavel Buchnevich, which yes, the legendary I defenseman. I don't know yeah. I did see that. Strickland tweet that that was uh, and he left it up for about five to 10 minutes. Yeah. That was the weirder part. Just yeah, to, anybody can make a gaffe, but that one was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, Buchnevich, I don't love the idea of adding him if they're going to have to pay him after this season. I mean, he is an mm-hmm. RFA this year, I believe, with, with arbitration, but he'll be a UFA right. after. Uh, I don't want to overpay in a trade and then overpay a contract. I mean, he's got a lot of skill, and I think he's considered a two-way forward, um, so I don't really know why the Rangers would want to move on because they're clearly a team that needs that type. I mean, the Goudreau, the Goudreau contract is a complete example of that, them needing toughness and, and two-way players. But, um, you know, what do you think about Buchnevich and, and what he would do? I mean, uh, getting a guy on that right side with on the right wing losing Tarasenko makes sense, but I, don't, I just don't want to overpay. That's my hesitation with it. Yeah, it's always, it's always hard when you're trading for an asset and then you have to – re-sign him as well you know I think we saw that with Justin Falk kind of that double gut punch of of trading a package that I don't think it I don't think you know with Dominic Box feature kind of up in the air I don't think we're going to look back at the package and really super regret it but then giving him the log contract too I think you know Buchnevich is a really creative guy I certainly think we need more skill and better skating and creativity up front um but he, you know, I think the reason the Rangers are trading him is he's a little, little soft in their pers- in their perception with, with all the Wilson stuff that went on. Um, whether that's true or not, or again, just uh, Dolan being a nut job, um, beats me. I'm not. I can't can't claim to be a super expert on uh, him, but. I like it. I like he's a player I like, but I think I agree with you that I just don't know how the cost is going to make sense if if it's a trade for a valuable young player and then also an extension. It's just it probably is going to be too rich for my blood. Yeah, looking looking at the defensive core, I mean, there's a lot that needs to be done. I think the first step with that uh, would be to talk about just how poor the – Marco Scandella contract was and the top four defensively we obviously know that Krug and Falk and Pareko are locked in for this season so unless Pareko gets traded which I wouldn't be that shocked but I don't think it's going to happen mm-hmm. um so your right side <coughs> excuse me your right side up front you got Falk and Pareko your left side you got Krug do you lock Scandella into there do you think he's still going to be here? I mean, I'd love for them to find a way to get rid of that contract because it's terrible, but I don't see that happening. I think they'll probably give it another go with him. And then your third pair becomes like, does Wallman deserve the chance? Do they re-sign Dunn? I'd love for them to go out in free agency and do something. I think, you know, making a play on one of those left-handed defensemen that's up there, Alec Martinez would be a guy that would be perfect here, I think, Um you know, other left-handed defensemen, you obviously have Keith Yandel out there. I don't think that that would ever happen. Um, but other than that, I mean, what do they do about the top four defensively if Scandella stays or goes and what the third pair looks like uh, barring Dunn staying or leaving? I think 
I've, I've got really strong opinions on the defense, so forgive me in advance, <laughs> but I think that the boys' defensive core is more, more a mess than it is bad. And I think the reason I say that is like, I don't think, I mean, Justin Falk obviously bounced back and was our best defenseman last year. I don't think when you really look at Krug, uh, he actually had that bad a season. It wasn't amazing, but it, for a first season in a new place, uh, with a messy system that I don't think Craig Berube was really using him super well. I think he did okay. Um, Pareko was obviously the big question mark last year and a big concern with, you know, kind of nebulous back injuries plus the um, <laughs> uncertainty around the boys' medical staff right now, thanks to the whole Tarasenko debacle. Um, and then Scandella, as you mentioned, just a just a horrendous deal. <laughs> really, one of the one of the big mistakes of Doug Armstrong's tenure. Right now, you're paying twenty three point one five million to your top five defensemen count, which I count as you know Falk, Krug, Pareko, Scandella, Boatuza. So not necessarily your top five in terms of skill, but your top five in terms of money at the moment. Dunn will probably slot in. You figure above. Bortuzzo, at least if you keep him. So that's even a little higher. I just don't, I don't see how they bring in a free agent without, if it's more than a one-year deal, without really jeopardizing your ability to re-sign Colton Pareko. If he's healthy this season, he's going to want a similar contract to Krug and Falk, if not more. And I just don't see how you can give it to him and then be paying those three guys, you know, upwards of whatever that would be, I guess it's, I'm bad at math, but you know, upwards of 18, 20 million and then still not have a really distinct, really clear top four that makes a lot of sense. You know, I don't think they're a very cohesive unit. Uh, I don't think they complement each other super well. So I just think, you know, I've heard a lot of the Jamie Alexiak, a lot of the Alec Martinez, Ryan Sutter, now that he's a free agent also, I think he's maybe the most interesting because he probably would be on a shorter term deal. Um, but I think it requires a little more creativity from than that, because I think you just really have to be worried about that long-term money. And you also have to, I think, just admit that the boys can't be built the same way going forward with the contracts you've already committed you're not going to have a defense like you had that won the cup, which means you've got to make your offense better, which means you've got to spend more money there, you know? So I think as I, as I warned you, I was going to talk for a minute about it, but I just think it's a mess and it's a, I don't think it's as simple a solution as bring in this guy and then we're much better. Maybe we are, but then you've got to worry about the year after that and what you're doing with Pareko. And if you're losing another guy for free and not giving, you know, not getting value for him and, and they just can't afford to do that anymore. So I agree that a Pareko trade's unlikely because we've just heard nothing, but I do think it could make a lot of sense that the right thing came up. Yeah, I, I think that the way that they're structured right now defensively with the cap and with the way that they play just doesn't work. I think, yeah, you know, Scandella making 3.275 for three brutal. more years is just terrible. I know that he I played would, really well, but that was a pointless contract. Yeah, I would love to trade him for like an equally bad forward contract just to shift the money almost. Yeah. You know, if, if some guy's team's got a third liner, they're paying – around that same number too. I just having that on our defense right now, on top of all the other confusion is just brutal. Yeah. That was like, that reminded me 
of the Matt Carpenter contract that was just pointless. Like very similar yeah. for no reason. Yeah. Except with none of the earned um you know respect that Matt yeah. Carpenter got yeah, over that's time. True. So yeah. even a little less sense, I think. So in terms of the, the forward group, and I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Um oh if you had to guess what the top line on opening night will be this season for the St. Louis Blues, who do you think it'll be? Man, um, I mean, knowing what we know, I I really think they're going to go all in on Landis Cog. And I think if he hits free agency, and I shudder to say this because I hate setting myself up for disappointment, but I think if the Avalanche don't resign him, he's the ne- we're the next most likely destination. I really it just seems like we're the most interested. Um, you know, we're probably going to overextend a little bit, but the O'Reilly connection is there. It's a division rival, which I think if he leaves Colorado, it seems to me like he's the kind of guy that's going to be motivated to make them pay for it. Um, and, you know, he gets more opportunities to do that on another division rival. So I really think that Landis Cogo O'Reilly Perron, at least to start, you know, get your stars on the top line together. I, I don't think it's that, that unlikely if it's, if I'm picking from people who are still currently, currently already here, boy, that's not a pleasant proposition. Um, I think O'Reilly Perron, Cairo, I guess, are your three most dynamic forwards, but I don't want to have to make that call. So, you know, it kind of points to what I said earlier that they really need to add a lot here and whether it's a trade, whether it's free agency, a little bit of both, I hope, I hope Dougie has one or big one or two big, big moves up his sleeve, whether we've kind of heard previews about him or not. I agree. I think that if you look at it right now, as it stands in terms of the, the first line, O'Reilly and Perron have really never consistently played with another dynamic winger. Like mm-hmm. kairu has been on their line occasionally. They've seen a lot of Zach Sanford, which is whatever. I mean, a couple of years ago, he was actually scoring and now mm-hmm. he's just does nothing. And uh, I'd love for him to not be here next year, but who knows? I mean, they're probably worried about their depth. They'll probably resign him for about 900 K throw him in the he's third line, keep using him. So. Super value, uh, p- valuable penalty killer. The apologists say, I don't know if I'm convinced about that, but you know, the metrics, so the metrics make him look better than Barbashev is what I heard, which if you actually watch the games, I don't really see that. I know Barbashev needs Sunquist to be good. I think that's a something that we learned last year. For them to be really effective, they need to be together. But um, I just think that – I do think Landis Gog is the guy that they sign if he hits the market. And I know they have about a week to get this done in Colorado. It sure sounds like from what Elliot Friedman said in the 31 Thoughts today that it's not looking great. But I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, I it does remind me a little bit, and not entirely, just like a similar situation in terms of, uh, you know, the fact that they're unable to get a deal done. It kind of like Petrangelo and the Blues last year, which I think was obviously more no movement clause related and a couple other factors. But um, it's kind of interesting that Colorado doesn't want to give him that much money. Of course, you look at Colorado, um, they have other guys to pay. The Blues weren't in that situation really last year. You look at Colorado, they got to pay McCarr this year, McKinnon down the line, I think next year. And McKinnon's only making like 6.5 right now, which is absurd. So yeah. Grubauer too, if they want to keep him as a free agent this year. <clears throat> yeah. Byram, they've got to worry about long-term. So yeah, I mean, it, it is, seems like it's in that situation that the Blues situation was in 
last year where we were maybe naive to it, where the writing is kind of on the wall at this point. And, but on the other hand, it just, as an outsider who wants Landis Cog, it just feels like how could he possibly leave Colorado yeah, <laughs> and that situation? Um, but, you know, maybe he does. And, and if he does and comes here, I'm going to be very excited about it. All right, let's do it defensively. Top four on opening night defensively. What do you think? <sighs> also ugly. Um, <laughs> I think, I don't think we're going to trade Pareko. Um, I would advocate for it only because of the long-term, can you sign him sort of questions. Um, I think it'll be Falk and Kruger, obviously here, probably Pareko and Kruger are your maybe second pairing. I don't know, maybe first. And then I think, I think to me, Ryan Sutter makes the most sense. Um, if he's a guy that wants to come here. And it's, you know, not that far from Minnesota and Nashville has two places he's called home. He can't, you know, say the city's that much different. Um, I think it'd be a perfect, that's your best chance to recreate that Pareko magic with Bo Meester. So I'm going to be optimistic and say he does choose to sign here and say it's a Falk, Krug, Pareko, uh, Sutter top four. I'd be fine with that. I mean, anything to keep Scandell out of the top four really <laughs> yeah, helps. That's, I think uh, best case, but I think, I think that's I'm, one where Doug's just got to find find a way to do one of his bailout trades, whether it's this summer or next summer, and and get that money off the books because that is just just real bad. I agree. Um, what do you think about the third pair? I mean, I don't. I think that it's a little it's a little shaky in terms of right handed defensemen. Once you get down there, I guess Bortuzzo has a year left. Maybe he'll be in there, but uh, what do you think about some of the guys coming up? You know, we saw Wallman do some good things. Mikola was all right. I think you got to think Prunovich is going to get a chance to, to make it. Um, you know, Santini was okay when he played. Uh, and then also Vince Dunn. Do you think he's gone? I mean, what do you think of the up and coming guys and then Dunn and what we could see with the third pair? To me, Vince Dunn's the player I love. I, you know, try to, try to be unbiased, but he's probably my favorite blue uh, in some ways. So, you know, I agree with you that he's criminally underrated by the team at at some point though, it's just insane to keep trying. If he's not a good fit with the coach, he's not going to get top four opportunities. Um, So I think, I think Armstrong's just praying Dunn gets through um, Seattle and then he just has all the time in the world and all the teams in the world to potentially trade him to that he can really maximize value um you know maybe you package done in the 16th and move way up in the draft maybe you do you know something creative there or, or you know get some star I know uh Jeremy Rutherford has talked about Tarasenko done and a big prospect or pick could potentially get Kachuk this summer, which seems insane to me, but you know, I, I can't imagine he's here next year just because of the value they could get for him and the lack of fit within the organization. I think you're, you're kind of clubhouse front runners for that bottom six is probably Bortuzzo and Wallman. Cause I think Wallman did really earn a spot here this year uh, against all odds. I think I never would have never would have called that coming in, but uh, you know, credit to him. He really ironically um, as someone who formerly was seemingly replaced by Vince Dunn on the sort of prospect 
pyramid, if you will, he then sort of maybe took away Vince Dunn's job in the on the long run. But uh, so I'd say Bortuzzo and Wallman is kind of your front runner there, and then sort of Mikola as your seventh defenseman. I think they'll want to give Perunovic a shot, uh, but they have an AHL team now, and he'll have missed a year, and I think he'll probably spend at least the early part of the year down there to get kind of back up to speed. I would uh, I would agree that a lot of that um, will hold true. I think that you look at where it's at right now, it seems like it's it's going that direction with Perunovic, and uh, hopefully we can see him at some point. I think he's got a lot of potential to do something, but we'll see. In terms of the, the entry draft, I mean, I don't really follow a ton of the prospect stuff after the first round. I kind of just go based off of our draft guide and kind of what all that looks like. I know you participated in the uh, armchair GM draft. Mm, uh, who, yeah. who did you who did you pick for the blues? I forgot. Uh, I picked a guy named Sasha Pastajov, which I think I'm pronouncing correctly because he is an American born uh, of Russian descent. And I think he, I think I looked up the pronunciation, but uh, he's a forward of the men's development team, the USN TDP or whatever the long acronym is. And uh, he's got some USHL time. He's a little controversial. Some, some analysts don't like him a lot, but he's scoring like crazy at every level he plays in. And I just think this is such a weird draft year um, that I'll take what I know works. And I know people, I know that scoring matters, you know, and there's so little information on a lot of these guys relative to a normal year that I'll take what I can get. Um, I don't know if you want me to keep talking, feel free to interrupt. I mean, I, uh, but, I wrote about him. I remember writing yeah. about him. Cause I remember I did a mailbag piece. I think it was in like April or May. And uh, I was asked about who they could take. And he's one of the guys I like. Another guy that I like is Scott Morrow, who's a defenseman. Um, I can't remember where he plays, but he seems like the type of defenseman that's going to take a few years to develop. But when he gets here, he could be a complete force. I know he needs, you know, time to develop his game, um, you know, on the defensive end. But just a big defenseman, 6'2", uh, 200 pounds from Connecticut, um, obviously USA born, projected to be kind of a later first round guy. Mm-hmm. But I still like him. He's going to play at UMass. I think people will consider that to be a reach where the Blues are. But I think he would be a tremendous fit and um I do like Pastujov or Pastujov or yeah. however you say his name. I like him. I think that he was a guy that was kind of viewed as a, a little bit of a 10 to 12 in the first round last year and has mm-hmm. kind of moved back a little bit. Another interesting name that you could look at is Aturati. I mean, that was a guy who yep. people thought would be number one pick like a year and a half ago. And he's kind of fallen off. I think people think he's going to go in the twenties. I think Boston or Minnesota could take him. But uh, speaking of Minnesota, what do you think about, their outlook like how do i'm glad we're not in their situation because number one you got the kaprizov situation he wants Mm -hmm. three years they want to give him full eight and then you got the fact that how do you sell to a star that you're going to be paying like a 12 million dollar dead cap in a couple years like how do you sell that i know elliot freeman said that jack eichel wants to get a new change of scenery i know minnesota is a team that's in on him but i'll tell you right now eichel and kaprizov would be really hard to play against but uh you know what do you think about that um, yeah, for the Jack Eichel thing, I think you sell him by reminding him that it's not Buffalo. I, I understand the question that, um, that, uh, 
Jeff Merrick was asking there, but I don't think he he's not in a position where anywhere is going to seem bad to him. And I think you also say, look, we're going to go crazy uh, to chase the cup for two years. And if it doesn't work out and if we can't satisfy you in two years, we'll trade you again when your value is a lot higher. And, you know, you can go be happy with a loaded Kings team or whoever, you know, whatever the case may be. But I don't have a lot of. I don't have a lot of trouble imagining him being interested in Minnesota just because the situation he's in is so miserable and hopeless that like no one else even compares, you know, I hate to, yeah. hate to dump on the Sabres, but it is what it is with that said, um, whatever Bill Guerin thinks he's going to accomplish this off season, whatever big fish. And I, you know, I assume it is Eichel, but whatever plans he has to make them an immediate competitor, boy, he better hope they pay off because uh, if they don't, he created a big headache for his successor in that job. Cause I don't think that's not a bet you can make lightly. Um, you know, it's, that's a nightmare that he set himself up with in two years. And I really, I genuinely just don't understand buying out Sutter as good as he still is um, as important as he has been to that franchise. I he's certainly not worth what they were paying, but to have that and just have it be a dead cap hit is just so, so bad to me. It really, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's ballsy. You got to give him credit for that, but I just don't know how well it's going to work out. And it'll be one of the fun stories to watch at the very least, at least Minnesota is finally interesting. So they've got that going for them. I mean, Kaprizov definitely changed everything. And I think a lot of people say that, but the other thing you got to look at is like that line of Greenway, Erickson, and Felino is just unreal. I mean, they're all huge. Erickson can score. Greenway can score. Felino seems like he's putting some some pucks in the back of the net. I mean, you want to talk about super two way to both Erickson and and, uh, Felino are are great two way forwards. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I mean, it'd be great to have a line like that here. I mean, that would be oh, just yeah. words who are huge and can score and can defend and do everything. That'd be great. But and they're all at reasonable cap. It's I mean, the yep. Eric's neck deal is not that bad. That's unreal. That's an unreal deal for that team. That's such a steal. The Blues need to do that with somebody that comes up. I mean, just like if Kyra yeah. has another great season, give him an eight-year deal with a super low cap hit mm-hmm. to what he could probably get. I mean, figure it out. But speaking of balls, I mean, Bergevin keeping Price oh. exposed. Do you think they're actually <laughs> going to take Price? Man, it's to me the Seattle situation is so interesting because you really just have to decide if you think you're going to be an immediate competitor um, or if you think – that it's going to take you a few years, you know, you got to look at the whole class and sort of decide. Um, and I think you can make a, an argument for Carey Price either way, but I think from a branding, from a star power perspective, from, you know, the same, the same way Vegas took flurry and he sort of immediately became the face of that team um, was the big star. I think he, I think he was even there on expansion draft night uh, wearing the Jersey I just, as I know the, I know how bad the contract is, but I know how good the opportunity to market the star in the market is as well with price. Um, and, you know, I think if, if they're not worried about cap trouble in the immediate future, it's gotta be hard to turn that down. Um, but 
such a ballsy move by Bergevin. I think he's probably sweating a little bit because I don't know yeah. if he, I don't know if he expected as much chatter that Seattle may be interested in taking him. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, I think probably the number one decision Ron Francis has to make is yes on carry price or no on carry price. And then kind of build his roster from there. I feel like you got to do it. I really do. I don't yeah. even care if he's healthy or not. He, I think, what Elliot Friedman said makes a ton of sense. And I know we're going to reference this podcast a lot. It's a big deal. They were saying some important things, but like you think kind about of the it, go-to podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, it's number one for me in hockey. I think there's a couple others. I mean, I listen to yours, so you got that, um, but you know, <laughs> well, I think, yeah, we're right out there with 31. Right up, Thank oh, you. I just, <laughs> right next to him. Probably somebody had to say it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I think the, the, what he said, the system with price playing 50 games, whatever Allen playing a bunch of games, speaking of which, who would have ever thought that Jake Allen would be protected over Carey Price? That is just insane. But <laughs> I mean, wow. I, and the, the amount of money that they're paying to goaltenders in Montreal was something I questioned, but it worked. And I think that Seattle shouldn't be worried about that. I think Drieger could play while Price is down because I don't think Price will be healthy to start the season. But I think it makes a lot of sense. You have Carey Price ready to go for the postseason. But um, I did see a report a couple hours ago that Seattle was going to see what it would take to not take price, which I think is also smart because Seattle can take advantage of teams like Vegas did. But I, one thing that I dislike about where the blues are right now, as I segue perfectly is nice, nice work. It was perfect. I mean, unreal. Um, You look at like their ability right now to maneuver after the expansion draft. And I think that one thing that's going to be interesting to see if they don't take Tarasenko, what happens then? Do you think Armstrong settles for less? Do you think they do a deal where they retain salary to get more back? Because I don't even think retaining salary to get more back is worth it because what you would get back to retain salary cannot be that much more than what you would get not to, right? Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting. I just don't, I, I just have no read of what the offers out there for them are. There seem to be a number of teams interested, which would think you would think would drive the price up. Um. I all I can say is I assume he'll have more freedom and flexibility after the expansion draft. Um, you know, I think a team, that team like Montreal, if they lose Carey Price, suddenly has a lot more room to fit in a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, you know, and there are some other situations that I'm sure will be similar. I don't think I still don't think you're going to get a ton for him, but yeah. you know, even if you even if you have to retain maybe 2 million a year, it's just two years. If you can get a good pick or prospect instead of just kind of like a, a bag of pucks and retain a little salary, I, I think I'd almost rather the blues do that because I am really worried about their future and their prospect pipeline right now as well. Well, their draft pick capital is not great. I mean, this year they yeah. don't have a second or a fourth, which, you know, it's fine. I guess maybe they can get back into the second somehow, but I just think that, um, after Tarasenko trade, where do they go next? I mean, is Dunn on the way out for sure? They trade him. Do they look to free agency? I think the Blues have to be one of the most active teams. There's no doubt about it. I mean, they have to take a swing. And I think Stillman made it sound like they were going to do that. Um, I don't know. We'll see if they can make that happen. But, uh, Stephen, thank you for joining me. This was great. And uh, hopefully we can catch up before the season starts and kind of discuss some more things about the Blues. And uh, hope we can talk soon. Yeah, I love it. I'm always glad to come on. So I hope we find that time and I look forward to it.